0: We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also works with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Insights on the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I want to talk today about sleep. I don't know very many people who don't have some sort of issue with sleep. So I want to really cover off my biggest tip that we normally really only talk about this in talks that I give or with with coaching. But this is the most effective way that I know to try and improve your sleep. And when I say improve, I mean both the duration of your sleep, but also the composition of your sleep, which is just as important. Composition is how much light sleep have you got in proportion to deep sleep and REM sleep. So typically we go light sleep into a deep sleep phase, into a REM sleep phase, and then we cycle in again into light sleep. And for most of us, and as you will have heard me say before, if you're a fan of the show, you know, 9999999999 percent of us need between seven and eight hours of sleep a night at a minimum so for most of us, we're going to need about five sleep cycles. A sleep cycle is approximately 90 minutes. So five of those make seven and a half hours sleep. So typically in an evening, you'll get about 50% of light sleep, 25% of deep and 25% of REM. But it doesn't always follow. In fact, I use the Oura Ring, which is a great bit of tech. If anyone's not familiar with that, check out OuraRing.com. Ura is spelt O-U-R-A, ring.com, and use code BODYSHOTOURA if you're interested in buying that, by the way, and I'll put all that in the show notes. But I use this because it's one of the most accurate sleep trackers on the market, and it tells me exactly how my sleep is broken down. So I look at that every morning, and I look to see how much sleep I got in total, but I also look to see what the composition is. What I've noticed is I actually get more deep sleep in the first part of my night than I do in the second which I think is quite interesting. So, despite what I've just said about the typical sleep cycle, it ends up that you get more deep in the first part of the night, more REM in the morning. So, if you've woken up prematurely, it'll be REM sleep you're probably losing out on. If you've gone to bed later, it'll be deep sleep you tend to be losing out on. Now, to the big sleep tip it is the concept of the sleep staircase. Some of you might have heard of this before in some of the podcasts I've done. As I say, I haven't talked much about this, but as a child, or maybe you have children, in which case this would be quite familiar to you. But if not, as a child, you probably remember having a really good sleep routine when you were put to bed. So let's take my godchildren, for example, four and five. I had them for the weekend. We definitely did this both nights I had them. They would come in from a day's play or a day of school. We'd play some sort of fairly calm game, nothing too excitatory. They would have tea, a bit of a chill out, then upstairs for a bath, into their pyjamas, upstairs for a story, Cuddle, say good night, leave them, and they would go to sleep. And hopefully, that's how it goes. Sometimes there's a little bit of dancing around. You could liken that to a staircase. So right at the top there is them coming in from school, and right at the bottom of that staircase is bed. So you're taking those children through a very gradual set of steps to get them from a very excitatory state, what we would call sympathetic dominant state. So that's when the nervous system is in an excitable state to a very parasympathetic dominant state at the bottom, which is rest and digest. So in a parasympathetic dominant state, your heart rate will be low, blood pressure will be pretty low, the body will be digesting, it will be starting the repair process. It won't be in a fight, flight or freeze state. And that's how you'd want to be when you go to bed because that's going to ultimately promote good sleep. You're gonna fall asleep pretty quickly, nice composition of sleep, hopefully stay asleep for quite a long time. As adults, we don't tend to do that. For example, I'm very common for, for people I speak to, to come in late. Maybe they've done a late workout because that's the only time they can get to the gym. They come in, they have a late meal, maybe check bank balances, have a high level discussion with a spouse about the kids and other stuff that may be worrying the family. Watch the 10 o'clock news, drop into bed about half ten, eleven, and find it difficult to sleep. That's a really common pattern. And maybe that, that resonates with you as well. So there's no staircase involved in any of that. You're actually staying in a pretty sympathetic dominant state all the way up until bedtime. So you're going to have elevated elevated levels of cortisol. Heart rate will be high. Blood pressure will be high. The body may still be digesting a meal because it hasn't had the ideal three to four hours between eating and going to bed. And you may be worried about stuff because you haven't had any time to decompress or fizz out from the day's activities. Now, very simple way to try and improve sleep is simply to go back to being a child in the context of the sleep staircase. So start to put in a set of steps between you getting in and going to bed. Now, you don't have to obviously mimic a child's sleep staircase. That would be silly. But let me give you an example of what mine is. I'll get in from work or if I'm working from home, snap the laptop shut the first thing I'll pretty much do is change into casual clothes. And that's a little cue to the body that I'm getting ready for sleep. I'm getting ready for bed. even though the bedtime might be five hours away, it's a little cue to the body. Okay. We're winding down. The next thing I'll do is make a to-do list of everything that hasn't been done today that I really want to hit with tomorrow so that I can sort of unpack that from my mind and think, okay, I've got that. That's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Depending whether on the season. so in winter, it'll be dark. So I'll immediately put on blue light blocking glasses. So these are very simply a pair of glasses with sort of yellow tinted lenses that block out the frequency of light, which we call blue light from screens, from overhead lighting, from televisions, all that kind of stuff from phones, obviously. And that just enables me to start allowing melatonin to be produced because what blue light does is it, it suppresses the production of melatonin. So the blue light blockers are on. Next thing I'll do is eat a meal, ideally three to four hours before bed. And I'll then start to do something pretty chilled. I might take the dog for a quick walk around the block so she can do her business, come back in. I might watch something on Netflix or on iPlayer. I may read or I might go out and use the infrared sauna that we've got in the garden. And then towards bedtime, I'll come up and obviously do my teeth. I'll also spray a little bit of topical magnesium, a product called Ease Magnesium. And I'll put that onto my skin. Magnesium is very good for promoting sleep in the form of, of calm. It's good for muscle repair and recovery as well. So I'll typically spray some of that onto the major muscle groups. I'll sprinkle a little bit of lavender oil onto my pillow. I mask on, bed and sleep. Possibly a bit of reading before I turn the light out. Now, that that might sound convoluted, but it really isn't. I'm changing, I'm doing a to-do list, I'm putting some glasses on, I'm eating, and then I'm starting to wind down and putting a little bit of oil and a little bit of oil on the skin as well. That's it. But all those little things are cues to the body that, okay, I get it, we're going down the staircase to bed. So that kind of stuff counts, as well as the efficacy of the stuff you're putting on your skin, for example. It helps to establish a really nice routine where the nervous system can also start to come from sympathetic to parasympathetic dominance. And I have found that that's been really good for my sleep. I very rarely have a bad night's sleep. If I do wake in the middle of the night, I can usually put it down to something I'm worried about and then I try and fix what it is I'm worried about in the morning or... I will just double down on trying to calm the mind. Because what I will say about all of that is you can be putting stuff on your skin, you can be putting an eye mask on, you can having a blackout blinds in your bedroom and going through that sleep staircase. But if you haven't quietened the mind, you will still have sleep problems. So the critical thing is to try and take stuff out of your rucksack, as it were, in terms of your worries, using that metaphor. So try and unpack as much stuff out of that pack you're carrying before you go to bed. Use breath work, use meditation, Are really, really good ways of calming the mind. And, you know, there are some very, very successful business people that attribute meditation. This stuff's not woo-woo, it's not for yoga teachers. Mark Benioff of Salesforce, Padmaswi Warrior, who's the CTO of Cisco, Russell Simmons, the CEO of Def Jam Records, Rupert Murdoch, believe it or not, Oprah Winfrey. All of these people have openly stated that they have a longstanding meditation practice and they attribute part of their success to that practice. So using breathwork and meditation can be a very, very effective way of calming the mind. So the takeaways here are simple, really think about what your sleep staircase looks like. It might just have three or four steps in it, but create some steps to move your nervous system into a calm, relaxed, sleep ready state. That's probably the biggest thing you can do for sleep. Then you can start to look at other things like the temperature of your bedroom, just how dark it is in there, other, other things to sort of finesse it, but get that sleep staircase in place first. And of course, also think about your mental state. Are you hitting the pillow still worrying or still having thoughts racing through your mind? Anything that you can do to calm the mind is going to have a really significant impact on sleep. So that's it from me. This is a topic that I absolutely love. So if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, at bodyshotperformance.com. Also jump on our Facebook page, which is Body Shop Performance Limited on Facebook, obviously, where you'll find quite a lot on sleep there as well. And if you look back through some previous episodes, I've recorded a podcast with James Wilson, who's the sleep guru and a, a TV guy, and also with Dr. Greg Potter, who's a sleep researcher. They were two really great episodes on this show, Remove the Guesswork. So check them out as well. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? jump on our website bodyshopperformance.com and click on take the test and it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39 page report built all around our six signals which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion and fitness. So jump on the website bodyshopperformance.com and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.